if we are having stress and anxiety, uh, it's not necessarily because we're doing things wrong. Uh, it, it could be because we're reacting in a really beautiful human way to what's going on ar around us. And so I think when we are trying to look at approaches for mitigating that stress and anxiety, it can be much more helpful to find really loving approaches, uh, really kind of wrapping ourselves in this love and awareness as opposed to trying to change ourselves uh, to not have these feelings, these like really normal reactions to the stress around us instead of saying like, oh, I need to deal better and uh, or, you know, everyone around me is coping. I need to just learn how to cope. Uh, if we can look around us instead and say like, yeah, it's really stressful right now, both outside my home and maybe even inside my home. Uh, I want to treat myself with love and kindness. Uh, then our, our approaches to dealing with our stress can change. Maybe if we're working out, we're working out because it feels good and not because we're trying to change our body. Uh, sometimes the, the behavior even is the same. Maybe, you know, either way we're exercising, but if our approach changes, then it can become a much more uh, loving reaction. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com, where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, George and Benta. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. Today with us, we have Liza Kindred. She is the author of F This Meditation, uh, 108 tip, Tips, Tricks, and Ideas for When You're Stressed Out, Anxious, and Overwhelmed. And uh, we seem to have to be on the same theme as, as uh, she was saying before we got Dive. We are and, all playing for the same team. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, I'm really excited to, to have her on and to um, talk about self-improvement, gratitude, and uh, being accepting of ourselves and being happy with who we are. So yes, thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm grateful to be here. And I'm also excited to talk to you. Awesome, awesome. So let us know a little bit more about you. Yeah, thank you. So in a past life, my previous careers were centered around uh, technology and around fashion, two kind of different career paths that ended up merging. And I was working in fashion tech for a long time and specifically around wearable tech. And wow. kind of at the, yeah, and at the end of that path, I was ending up helping different clients build wearables. Uh, and, and a lot of the focus when we were building wearable technology together was around, honestly, around being disruptive and uh, kind of like trying to insert the technology into people's lives in a way that maybe makes them dependent on it, uh, which was really against the morals and values I was coming to realize uh, that I was trying to live my life in. At the same time that I was doing this kind of work, I was uh, meditating and studying Buddhism. I've been a student of Buddhism for about 12 years now. Wow. And yeah, and I was going to these retreats and trying really hard not to be interrupted, <laughs> you know, find my inner peace uh, as best I could. And then going to work and helping people build this technology that was intentionally disruptive. And so 
uh, I had to stop doing it. You know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't live my life and do my work um, outside of my principles anymore. And so I launched a company called Mindful Technology. And through that company, we work with uh, technology builders and teach them how to build technology that is uh, more respectful of humans, that puts humans before machines. And at the same time, I launched uh, this it, honestly, it all started as an Instagram account called F This Meditation. Uh, I did my meditation teacher training a few years ago, and I, it was kind of, I just wanted to express myself a little bit. And my experience with meditation is not all bliss, unlike a lot of people that I see representing it, you know, a lot of different brands and Instagram accounts and people that talk about meditation. It's all like peace and quiet and, uh, for me, it's been a challenge. It's been kind of gritty and raw and real. And so uh, I launched FS Meditation to find and talk to people like me, people that are interested in a spiritual path, maybe on a spiritual path, uh, wanting to incorporate different practices like meditation or gratitude practices in their daily life, uh, but also still maybe... Um, sometimes argue with their spouse or, you know, snap at someone at work uh, and are living in that kind of like gritty and raw realness. And so that is the genesis. That's where FS meditation started. Wonderful. Wonderful. I think this, this, this part is very important. Like even if we are, we are trying to, to become better people, if we're uh, meditating, if we're practicing gratitude, that doesn't mean that we are not human, that we are, like you were saying, we're not <laughs> right. going to snap at someone or maybe we we will do this far less than, than most people, but we're still human. We're right. not going to be like perfect if we choose to be on a spiritual path or if we choose to practice different things that are helping us. Ah, thank you. Yeah, and I personally... I don't really trust people who uh, pretend that they're perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, you know? I came to that conclusion as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, oh, I don't think you're being real. You know, I mean, you're totally right. What you say is like, hopefully we can maybe, ha you know, snap at other people less and, you know, have a little bit more of a peaceful experience, but we're still real and we're still humans. And so I have a great respect for people who are just like completely honest about who they are and what they're trying to do. And I love that that resonates with you too. Yeah. Yeah. Like in my experience, I've, I've worked with uh, all kinds of um, people that were teaching some amazing things and um, they seem to be, to be perfect until you got closer and you got to see that they are just human. And even if they, they, they are trying to, and uh, even if they are great teachers, that doesn't mean that they are perfect and um, they get to, to actually live everything that they yes. teach. You know? Like for me, for when I was thinking about a teacher or a master in something, I thought that, oh, that, that person knows everything already and is able to actually practice everything. And I'm only going to trust people that are perfectly <laughs> in balance with this and that in my experience doesn't exist <laughs> it 
totally does it. And, you know, I mentioned I've been studying Buddhism for about 12 years, and the lineage that I was studying is a lineage of Buddhism called Shambhala Buddhism. And, uh, and I was really all in on it. And there's a lot of really great teachings, a lot of really beautiful teachers. But the, the lineage holder himself uh, was, I think it's about a, a year, year and a half ago now, um, really became engulfed in scandal uh, because of some actions that he took. He, it turns out he was being very abusive to his inner circle. And uh, a lot of the people in his close inner circle rallied around him and tried to protect him. And instead of uh, the organization, the Shambhala organization saying, uh, oh my gosh, we're so horrified. We want to find what went wrong and root it out and try to fix this. Uh, they basically denied any wrongdoing, uh, denied a lot of people's personal experiences, uh, and kind of doubled down on the leader. And so as a result, I left the lineage. A lot of people left the lineage. A lot of their uh, physical locations, such as the one in New York City here, got shut down. Uh, and this is someone who, the, the leader of Shambhala was someone who uh, was very venerated and uh, asked to be referred to as royalty uh, and respected as, as if he was someone that was perfect. And, you know, it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. and to your point, like it said. And so that, I think, is part of why I'm just looking for the people who are kind of keeping it real to begin with because then there's you know that kind of thing probably isn't as likely to happen exactly yeah and you know you know what what you're um dealing with let's say and you know that you, indeed we we are masters at some things and we can teach people some things that we we know really well just by being who we are or by actually teaching them but mm. um there are other things at which we we're really not that good and we really <laughs> we can really work on and i think uh this this knowing this can be really liberating right yeah and it almost gives us permission if if we have teachers that embody that it can give us permission to also be who we are and embrace and love who we are you know we don't have to see perfection as the goal because it's not attainable and it doesn't we don't have to get there to be worthy and whole and complete we are already we already have those qualities exactly exactly and um another part that i think it's it's related and it's quite interesting is um the moral obligation to constantly work on improving ourselves <laughs> yes let's talk about that <laughs> yeah like yeah one of the things that I, I love about gratitude that is that it actually helps us see the things that are great about us instead of just looking outside or trying to, to be more or to be something else or, you know, like, mm, yes. where does it end? <laughs> it doesn't end. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I am really trying to to get across in my messaging. And one of the things that I try so hard to find ways to explain to people, which is that when we are on that kind of a path, when we accept the idea that we have this moral obligation to continue to improve ourselves, there is no end to that. We will never, as I frequently say, we can't hate ourselves into a version of ourselves that we can love. We cannot 
continue to improve ourselves to get to a point where we're going to feel like we're enough, we are either going to accept that we are enough the way that we already are right now, today, with our flaws and the things that we wish were different. We're either going to love ourselves as we are, or it's never going to happen. We don't get to continue to and change and change and change, uh, and then hopefully get to a place where we feel like we're enough. There is, no, there is no end to that kind of thing. So if we can use things like a gratitude practice is an awesome way to connect to those parts of ourselves that are already whole and worthy. If we can use these practices to actually feel like we're already enough, then, then we can get to that place. If we're trying to change ourselves and better ourselves and improve ourselves and fix ourselves to get to the place where we're enough, that doesn't happen. Yep. And it's been my experience for, for many years that I've always tried to, to improve myself and to, to focus on the areas that weren't uh, good enough in my life and in, in what I am as a, as a human being. And um, it was very interesting to see how I felt after I, I, I felt that I, I was enough. And um, I started appreciating the things that I am doing right and the qualities that I have. And of course, the, the interesting thing is that actually uh, that, that led me to, to grow even though I wasn't focusing as much on, on growth. Yeah. You know, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, that, and that's one of the things that people say to me, well, if I accept the idea that I'm already enough, then how will I grow? Will I become stagnant? Will I atrophy? Will I just, if I accept that I'm enough, if I'm not beating myself up all the time, how do I have that growth? And I love that you said that because it, it happens naturally. It just comes from a place of love and compassion and understanding instead of a place of uh, desire for change. Exactly. Like how much change can can there be you know like if we are just waiting it's it's like the same with with different kinds of goals that we that we have it's great that we have them but um just waiting for different goals to to come about and um not living life until you get those goals achieved yes i think i think it's it's not a really good plan for for a happy life Right. It's not good for long-term success. And I think a lot of us have had those experiences where we've set a goal or, you know, wanted a change, set an intention to change and had that change or reach that goal. And we do experience temporary happiness. And of course we should feel proud for accomplishing something, but uh, it just, it doesn't last because then there's a new goal. You know, it's like if all, if we get this great new apartment or house, uh, we can really enjoy it for a while. But then, you know, we start to notice this, Oh, I wish this was different. And uh, you know, this is broken now. And Oh gosh, what if I had a new apartment or a new house? You know, that just, uh, it's only temporary, those feelings of achievement, but the feeling of self-love and gratitude and compassion, man, that stuff lasts. Yeah. And it's, it's so powerful. And even after you get a new thing, if you, if you practice gratitude, it's so much easier to to see different things that you appreciate about that particular thing that you got. And um, even for, for things or experiences or people that you have in your life that have been there for a while, gratitude helps you 
see uh, different characteristics that you you haven't seen yet. Mm. Yeah, uh, what a beautiful gift. Yeah, yeah. So also, I wanted to get into um, another part that I think can be very interesting and useful for for our listeners as well. Um, talk to us a little bit about your your perspective about stress and what we can do about it. Oh yeah, boy, we all have that, don't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, what one of the things that I think is really important when we are feeling stressed out, anxious, overwhelmed, lonely, sad, depressed, when we're having these kind of difficult emotional experiences, one of the things that I think is so vitally important for us to remember is that a lot of it is coming from outside of us. And it's not, it's not individual character flaws. There's a lot of systemic problems. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, we're living in a very chaotic world right now. And there's a lot of stress that's real. There's financial stress that's very real. There's relationship stress that's real. Uh, you know, I, I don't even need to bring up, we all know that globally the political landscape is, is so fractured and chaotic right now. Um, you, you know, we're dealing with the climate crisis. We have all these things that are happening in the broader world at large and also systemically, but so many of us have this belief that our own stress and our own anxiety is a personal character flaw. Uh, and it's not. It is a normal, typical human reaction to an incredible amount of stress and chaos that surrounds us. Uh, one of my, probably my favorite quote in the whole world is a, a poet named Jiddu Krishnamurti, who says, it is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. And I love that quote because I think it really says if we are having stress and anxiety, uh, it's not necessarily because we're doing things wrong. Uh, it, it could be because we're reacting in a really beautiful human way to what's going on ar around us. And so I think when we are trying to look at approaches for mitigating that stress and anxiety, it can be much more helpful to find really loving approaches, uh, really kind of wrapping ourselves in this love and awareness as opposed to trying to change ourselves uh, to not have these feelings, these like really normal reactions to the stress around us instead of saying like, oh, I need to deal better and uh, or, you know, everyone around me is coping. I need to just learn how to cope. Uh, if we can look around us instead and say like, yeah, it's really stressful right now, both outside my home and maybe even inside my home. Uh, I want to treat myself with love and kindness. Uh, then our, our approaches to dealing with our stress can change. Maybe if we're working out, we're working out because it feels good and not because we're trying to change our body. Uh, sometimes the, the behavior even is the same. Maybe, you know, either way we're exercising, but if our approach changes then it can become a much more, a loving reaction definitely what we the intention with which we we do things is is extremely important and um where our attention is as well is is very important and it can lead to, to very different results as you were saying and it's um it's quite interesting in, in my experience um 
I have been practicing yoga for for a while, and um, you can do it in two ways. You can just do the physical exercise exercises and um, not focus on anything else, on what ha- what's happening in the body, or you can be aware and you can be uh, present and become aware of everything that's happening um, in your body mm-hmm. and it's such a big difference and it's so much powerful when when you're aware and when you you have the intention to to do it in a way in which you you feel better you know like you you want to to do this as something that you do for a, a reason that's that's that feels good for you yeah it's almost doing it for yourself instead of against yourself yeah and i think that your point is is very very good and very important to to think about when we're doing different things and most of the time the the stress that we're we're going through it can be easily um uh, solved if we if we have the the right intention yeah and i really think that it is from my perspective from my point of view when we're looking at a a, a practice of self care or self love uh i really believe that it it's most effective when it's about uh it's about loving instead of changing. So I actually look at some actual measurements when, okay, I'm, I'm maybe I have a practice. I'm doing this practice. Uh, is it, uh, what, what I refer to as shame-based self-care or is it more along the love-based self-care? And I think we can measure that by looking at, is this practice about accepting what is, or is it about changing? And is this about loving or is it about fixing? And is it about taking a pause and having spaciousness or is it about like focusing and effort? Because to me, those are really measurements that can kind of gauge where you're at on this um, spectrum between uh, you know, shame-based and love-based. It's like, are we opening and expansive and, and loving? And are these practices making us feel centered and grounded and spacious? Or are they um, kind of making us like lean in and maybe furrow our brows? Are they about like changing and fixing an effort? Uh, and I think that that's a way that we can gauge like, okay, where is this coming from? What, what is the intention behind this and how is it manifesting? That's so true. That's so true. And I was actually thinking of, uh, of an interesting example. Um, my girlfriend, girlfriend is a photographer and uh, I've been with her at a few uh, photo shoots mm. and it was so interesting that uh, so in, in the same day we had uh, two very different photo shoots uh, and in one of them the the girl she was uh, uh, photo- uh, photographing was she was uh, thin she, she looked good um, in theory she the pictures and everything should have went perfect, uh-huh. but she was focused quite a lot on on her flaws, and she wasn't really uh, accepting of herself and uh, wasn't really loving herself. And mm-hmm. we we could see that, and it was really it was harder for for her as a photographer to to take the best shots. 
Um, but we had another shoot shooting and it was so interesting that even though uh, the other person wasn't as perfect and as ideal uh, from some points of view, right. the fact that she she was in love with herself, even ah, as, awesome. yeah, even as imperfect as she might have been from some points of view, that the the shooting was so much different and the pictures were were so much better and you know it's it's something simple and it you would you would think that people that are that look great on on the outside also feel great about themselves but it's not always the case no i mean there's such two different things right and and simple but not easy <laughs> definitely definitely yeah, that's such a great example. It's like when we really are loving ourselves and embracing ourselves for who we are, uh, it, it emanates. It, and your example is so great. It's like it even came through to the camera. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's a really big difference. And um, I think it's it's very powerful because we this actually enables us to do something about how we feel about ourselves that's not dependent 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 on the outside you know on the the circumstances and how yes. we might look at one point or another yeah exactly it, it is it's such a, a radical idea of just like oh i'm actually going to just choose to love myself and be grateful for who i already am <laughs> not trying to change you know not trying to fit standard of beauty not trying to reach a certain income level you know whatever it is like oh i'm just gonna love myself the way i am it's like whoa that is a big deal it is it is simple it is so difficult and it is so powerful <laughs> i love that it's simple but it is difficult and i think that that's that's important to to mention <laughs> yeah i mean everything's fighting against it right i i have this example I'd like to share, which is there's this idea in uh, when we're manufacturing products, there's this idea of planned obsolescence, which is the idea that uh, product manufacturers are making goods that will break or will fall apart, that only will last a certain amount of time. And that's a relatively recent phenomenon. Goods used to be made to last. I have a washer and dryer in my house that are from the 1970s and they are going strong. Like they're oh these God. big pieces, they work so well. Uh, now stuff is made to break, especially with electronics. Uh, but and sometimes that's not intentional, but sometimes it is, you know, even looking at like our Apple phones, for instance, like we can't use uh, the same headphone jack that we used to use. It's like, oh, now we all have to buy new this and buy new that. Uh, so that's planned obsolescence. I believe that in the wellness world uh, or uh, in the kind of spiritual industrial complex, the corollary to planned obsolescence is this idea of constant striving. So we're always trying to like uh, become a little bit better, improve a little bit more, fix more things about us. This idea of constant striving keeps us uh, always focused on the next thing and, and honestly making purchases uh, to try to improve and get better. And so in the same way that when products break down, we have to replace them, uh, if we are never accepting that we're enough the way that we are, uh, we're going to continue to 
uh, you know, make purchases and take classes and da, da 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 da. And so I think that those things are really, really related. The, you know, the way to kind of step out of the planned obsolescence thing is to, you know, we can be grateful for what we have and we can um, fix things that break, if, you know, if, if we're able to. Uh, and then for those of us on a spiritual or wellness path, uh, we can just accept who we are. It's like so radical, but so powerful. Yeah, and so simple. And like you said, so, so powerful. And yeah, it, it's quite interesting to think about uh, this parallel between us and uh, technology and the fact that we we are indeed very alike and we break down sometimes and we need <laughs> we need different things when when we break down and um, I think it's very powerful to to have something like for me gratitude is is a tool a life tool that that it's so good to to use in all kinds of situations and for instance when we break down is it's also a great moment it's actually after a breakdown uh, i could say it's when i actually got more into studying about gratitude and gratitude has helped me come out of that state and into something much better and it was it was quite quite interesting to uh, to find that I have this tool with me all the time and I can use it and um, it's it's very powerful. That is that is so great. I really agree with you. Uh, the there's an author Marianne Williamson uh, who has written a lot of best selling books. Um, people may know her from her book A Return to Love, uh, but she once said, and I'm probably misquoting it, but it was something along the lines of. Uh, nervous breakdowns are a highly underrated method of spiritual transformation. (laughs) (laughs) Like when we have those moments of of breaking down, like you're talking about, uh, yeah, like those can be the moments where we're like, okay, now what? (laughs) Like things just fell to pieces. How do I want to put them back together? And I love that for you, that's been a gratitude practice. And I have, uh, I've had really uh, powerful experiences with gratitude myself a lot of times when I am spinning out when I am just so irritable or so angry or whatever it is uh, I make a gratitude list I mean it is like one of the most powerful tools that really is for making you or for allowing you the opportunity to like take a step back and just reframe how you you're looking at the world around you instead of like, Oh, everything is going wrong. It's like, okay, well, a lot is going wrong, but there's at least a few things that are okay. So let me just write those things down. It was something that I did uh, earlier last year. My daughter was in the hospital. Uh, She's fine now, but we were uh, actually in the emergency room here in New York Mm -hmm. city for days. And uh, I was all alone with her there. And it was, you know, I wasn't sleeping, of course. And so I was just exhausted and so uh, scared and upset. Uh, and I just kept making gratitude lists because it was almost like a lifeline for me. Yeah. It was like, I'm terrified and I'm scared, but there's this one nurse that keeps coming in and she's really nice. And so I'm going to write that down. 
you know, or um, that machine was beeping all night, but it stopped now. And I'm really grateful that that machine has stopped beeping and writing that down. And for me, it really was, like I said, it functioned almost like a lifeline. Like I was able to not have a complete uh, breakdown at a time when I needed to hold it together for my daughter because I was just like grasping onto this gratitude. Yeah, exactly. And you being strong, it, it matters quite a lot when, when you when you're in in such a situation and having such a tool to to keep you strong is very very important and can have uh, many lasting benefits for for the the near and far future but i also wanted to to get to, to something else uh, that i'm really curious to um to get your view on um you talk about the to done list yeah what is it to do list yeah a to done list yeah it's that's another thing so uh in the book as you mentioned there's 108 tips tricks and ideas for when you're stressed out anxious and overwhelmed uh fully half of the tricks in the book take five minutes or less. Uh, there's some longer practices in there, but the majority of them are like, all right, you've only got a minute or you've only got a couple of minutes. What can you do? Uh, and one of those, and I, and this book, I just mentioned my daughter. I wrote this book for my daughter. So I, she uh, was graduating from high school and was getting ready to do a gap year of travels. And I, realized that I knew a lot of these little like uh, anti-anxiety or anti-stress tricks that I used for myself that I hadn't really done a very good job of teaching her. And so I started making, I'm kind of a nerd. So I started making a spreadsheet uh, <laughs> and it had different columns. Like here's the trick. Here's the, um, the kind of emotion that it's really good for. Uh, here's how much time it takes, all that. And uh, and that spreadsheet at a certain point, I realized like, oh, I could actually make this into a book. And so I printed out the book. Uh, I, I like went online on one of those websites and I worked with an awesome designer, uh, a friend of mine, and she, she made this like beautiful edition and I printed it out and I actually gave the book to my daughter for a graduation present, which, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it started out really personal and it was later that I had a publisher contact me uh, through the F this meditation Instagram account and say to me, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I was like, I have a book. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a book right here. Uh, she told me I was the first person that they'd had uh, that brought a completed book into my first meeting with the publisher. Uh, and that's because I, I had done it. It was like a labor of love. I had done it because I wanted to give my daughter these tools. So, um, so, and that's the book that's coming out uh, October 22nd. It's it's uh, a lightly edited version of the same book. So, oh my gosh, I just forgot the question I was answering. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. You got to, to the exact uh, point that uh, that was important right now. So I, I was asking about uh, the to-done list. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. So the whole book is stuff that I do myself. That's what I was trying to say. So um, the to-done list is something that I, I do myself uh, pretty frequently. So the idea of a to-done list is that instead of making a to-do list, you make a list of everything that you have gotten done. Not everything that's left to do, it's everything that you accomplished. And I oftentimes when I do them, it can be for like a day, week, month, year, whatever. Oftentimes for me, it's for the week. 
because uh, I find myself getting towards the end of the week and I'm like super stressed out. I'm looking at my to-do list and I'm like, oh, I feel like I've been working my tail off all week, but my to-do list has only gotten longer, you know, and I'm so what <laughs> the heck? I'm super stressed out. So those are times when I actually make a to-done list, which is where I look back uh, usually over the course of a few days or a week or whatever. And I just write down everything that I did, like everything. Some of the stuff was on the to-do list. Most of the times it wasn't, you know, it's like, okay, I did. Um, I spent an hour with my friend who was going through a tough time. Um, I, I did like, you know, three loads of laundry. I made, you know, like six phone calls, like whatever it was. I write all that stuff down on the to done list and I just cross it off. And for me, it functions similarly to making a gratitude list where it just can completely reframe my feelings and attitude about what's going on. Because inevitably, when I look at the to done list, I'm like, holy crap, I did so much. <laughs> uh, and it, for me, it really helps like, yeah, this I can now see because I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I can see where the time went. I can see all that I accomplished, even if it wasn't uh, what I thought I was going to set out to accomplish this week. I can see that I have done, you know, so much. And so I can, for me, I can find a place to like, uh, relax and I don't have to, I'm not stressing out as much about being productive because I can see, uh, the things I have accomplished. And sometimes it's not an enormous amount of things that I accomplished. Sometimes it's like, I am really sad this week. Um, and I managed to take care of myself. Like, you know, sometimes it's really simple. It's like I survived the week. Uh, mm -hmm. but that matters. And being able to see like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm showing up for me or for other people. And like that matters a great deal. So that's the to done list practice. <laughs> I love it. Thanks. You'll have to try it sometime. Yeah, it's it's so powerful, and when you when you think about it, it makes so much sense. Because otherwise, we what do we think about? Oh, we forgot to do this. We forgot to do that. We we need we need to do this. We need to do that. And uh, of course, the list is never ending. There's always something that you can put on your to do list, and. Yeah. Um, that just gives you anxiety and it makes you feel bad. And just flipping that is brilliant. And um, yeah, I urge the gratitude seekers listening to, to try it. Like, yeah, give it a try. Just see how it feels. Yeah, tonight or uh, at the end of the week or whenever, as soon as possible, actually. At the end uh, of this Podcast, yeah. yeah, at the end of this podcast, and just look at the the, the things that you've done today, and uh, list make a list of of them and see how it feels. I think it's it's a very powerful way of looking at our day, our week, and it really shifts our perspective and how we feel um, about our life and what we did. Mm, yes. Yeah, my, uh, I use a to-do list organizer that is, uh, it's online. And when I accomplish something, it just disappears from the list. So uh, for me, this practice too is also just like claiming, like claiming the stuff that I've done because, you know, the online to-do list, it just disappears into nowhere. And through this process, I'm like, I 
did this. <laughs> yeah. I go me. I hope that everyone that tries this can see if they're you know able to connect to a similar experience of like, yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> and that's that's so true. And it it builds up when when you do this instead of feeling down that you haven't managed to do some things that are, that were on the to-do list or that you should have taken care of you you get this boost of confidence you know that you can do the things that are still uh on the table that need, need to be done but uh, you also feel satisfied with with what you already did and with you as a person and i think that's that's very important and it it links beautifully with uh with acceptance and loving ourselves Mm, yes. Good. So, um, since we're nearing the end of our time together, I wanted to ask you, uh, firstly, who in your life are you grateful for that you would like to mention? Oh my gosh, that's such a beautiful question. Yeah, I would love to mention my daughter who just started going to college, to university here in the U.S. She has been the inspiration for all of the good things that I have uh, put out there over the course of the last 20 years. I uh, I had her when I was quite young and uh I have no idea what my life would have been like without her in it, but I know that because she was a part of my life, I have been constantly inspired to try to do as, uh, as good as I can for the people around me. Uh, I also, uh, I have a friend of mine who is going through, uh, uh, her own, uh, transgender, uh, transition and I um, her name is Alyssa and I am continually inspired by her uh, bravery and courageousness and uh, just her presence in the world and so those are two people that I find very inspirational uh, I'm very grateful to have them both uh, in my life and to be close with both of them and my husband as well is someone who is endlessly supportive of my work uh, his name is Josh and uh, and the rest of my family as well has been, I, I feel really lucky because uh, I have a big family. I have, uh, I have five siblings, there's six of us, and it feels like a built-in team between my siblings and my parents, my extended family, a team of people that are uh, cheering for me and uh, are supporting my work. And that feels, uh, and we're all very different. We all come from very different um, we have different life, ex we have the same background, obviously, but different life experiences uh, and have landed in really different places, um, spiritually and religiously and politically. Um, but despite all that, my family is super supportive and I feel very grateful for that because I know that that's not always the case. I love it. I love it. It's very powerful um, to, to have this kind of connection in, in spite of the differences. And I'm, I'm really happy that you you and your family are um, an example of what it's what is possible in the world and uh, I, I think this is this is very uh, beautiful to to see and to experience and I'm happy that you shared this part with us yeah, thank you can I ask what you're grateful for oh <laughs> I'm grateful <laughs> for many things and uh, we could go on for quite a while but the thing is that we're um, a, li a little bit past our our time. 
Uh, <laughs> well, I'm grateful for take for you to take the time to talk to me. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. Um, but I wanted to ask you about uh, your book. Where can our listeners uh, find it? Where can uh, they get in touch with you? Yeah, thank you. So the book F this. It's E F F this. Uh, meditation. Uh, it's available on Amazon and um, anywhere that books are sold. It's going to be shipping on October 22nd. Uh, and anytime that anyone has any questions that they want to ask about meditation or self-care, I really invite you to reach out to me directly. It does sometimes take me uh, a little while to respond, but I respond to every DM on Instagram. Uh, uh, we're also F this meditation on Instagram or uh, my personal email, which is just my name at Gmail. Uh, if you have any questions about, like I said, meditation or self-care or just want to reach out, I'm here um, to talk to, to anyone about uh, any of that kind of stuff directly. And I am really grateful for uh, everyone taking the time to listen to our conversation today. Definitely. So am I. So am I. And I am grateful for you for, for being here with us and for sharing so many amazing ideas so enthusiastically and for this beautiful conversation thank you thank you hey gratitude seeker thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview i really appreciate it and if you could think of one person that would also benefit from it share it with them it might actually be the inspiration that they need to make their day or maybe even their life much better thank you so much once again, this has been Georgian Benta. Don't forget to keep seeking and spreading gratitude.